Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible, so let's get into God's Word together. Last week I issued an apology before I started preaching that I was informed came across strange to those who are watching online and perhaps it came across strange to those that were in the room because I never make apologies for God's Word. I don't do that. Um, My apology was I recognize when certain sermons are going to be heavy because they have been heavy in my life before I get here. And so recognizing things that are in the room, knowing so many testimonies as I do, hearing so many stories, praying and staying connected to the life of the church as I I seek to do. I'm not perfect at it. I'm simply aware of what's in the room on any given Sunday when the Word of God is opened. That being said, I'm sorry again this week, but I am not sorry for God's Word. Paul wrote... Oh, and I think he wrote to the Corinthians, I think in his second letter to them, actually. If I caused you sorrow, sorry. If God caused you sorrow through me, I rejoice. Because godly sorrow leads to repentance. We are on our way to repentance, studying through these three necessary components of the Christian life, forgiveness, confession, and repentance, If you have a Bible, you may find your way to Proverbs chapter 28. We're only going to be there for a quick moment, but I want you to see it in front of you in God's Word. If you're using a Bible, great. If you're using an electronic device, I'll pray for you. I mean, there's Bibles on the table that you can use. Uh, No, I don't care. Get God's Word in front of you, a faithful copy of God's Word. If it is paper, if it is electronic, it doesn't matter. If you don't own a Bible, please take one off the tables back there. I just want to know that Christians, that people have God's Word in front of them. The whole of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is an arc. It starts for us at creation, the beginning of time, and it arcs all the way to the end of time. And along that whole arc, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are displaying, God is displaying his glory in the redemption of mankind, fallen, and redemption of physical world, fallen because of man. All of the scripture is God displaying his glory in the redemption of fallen mankind and a fallen world. It is all about him. Christ says, all of Moses and all of the prophets And all of the Psalms, they're about me. Everything pointing to him. We read the Bible and sometimes we're looking for ourselves and we find ourselves there. But the greater point of the Bible, from the beginning to the end, from the fall of man in the Garden of Eden to the consummation of time in the book of Revelation, all of it is the revelation of God's glory in the redemption of fallen man and a fallen world. From the fall in the garden until God returns, man has been in a continual plight against sin. Every one of us in this room is stained and defected by sin in this life, period. From the youngest, most innocent of children to the oldest, most mature of adults, no one is unaffected by sin. 
man's continual struggle against sin has always involved the need for forgiveness, for confession, and for repentance. We have considered over three weeks today that these are all linked, but they are not all the same. Forgiveness is not the same as confession. Confession is not the same as repentance. Repentance is not forgiveness and confession. They're all linked together, but they are not the same. We've dealt with forgiveness. We've needed it. We, we have needed it. We do need it. Man needs it from God because of original sin. All of mankind bound by original sin of man in the Garden of Eden. When Adam sinned, he ruined humanity. If you want to look around the world and start drawing lines to, you know, sometimes there are like detective shows and whatnot, and they've got like the crime scene, they're trying to figure out what's going on, and they've got all the strings, and they're trying to see where do all these pieces of evidence connect. If we were to do that throughout all of mankind's history from now backwards, because the future's not here, and it's not guaranteed because the return of Christ, praise God, is eminent. But there are strings being drawn throughout the history of mankind, and the evidence all points to Adam sinned in the garden and ruined us as a race. Humanity is broken. So we have needed forgiveness from God because of original sin. We are all guilty of it. Those redeemed through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are in need of forgiveness for ongoing sin because we sin against one another. We still struggle. This week, you may have sinned against your spouse or your children or your friend or your neighbor. You may be sitting here right now in sin against someone in this room. Good grief. We are wicked and we need God's help. We have examined our need for forgiveness from God for original sin and for ongoing sin. We have examined our need for forgiveness both for and from man. Because in our original sin, we sin against God and against one another. Sin often manifested between people. Often we sin against God, always. Often we sin against man as well. I find that in my own life, personally, in my own life, my sin against God is always manifested in my sin against man. Those sins against God are becoming less as he sanctifies me. Still real, still present. I've not arrived, I'm not perfect. But as I grow in the knowledge of the word and as I pray and as I draw closer to God, those sins against God seem to be less, but they're not less because I am sinning against man. So my sin against God remains. But my sin seems to be manifesting itself more when it comes to my relationships with people. I'm a father. And not only do my children have a front row seat to my depravity, they are giving me a front row glimpse at how I need the sanctification of the Holy Spirit in my life. Forgiveness, confession, repentance... Today we are going to talk about confession, how we seek forgiveness. Do you understand immediately the difference between these two things and why they are not the same? We need forgiveness. Confession is how we go about seeking forgiveness. This is progressive if you're paying attention over the four weeks of this series. How we seek 
forgiveness. We've defined some terms, and so we'll define confession here as well. But first, reminding ourselves of forgiveness. Actually, you know what? Let's start this week and remind ourselves of sin. We need forgiveness. Why? Because we've sinned against God and we sin against man. We need forgiveness because of sin. So what is sin? Any violation of God's law. What is God's law? Well, in the Old Testament, we read it in the form of Ten Commandments as the progression of God's story displaying his redemption of fallen man would go through the word of God. By the time Christ is on the earth, the Ten Commandments become two. Love God and love people in light of God. Any violation of God's law. Remember also, sin is not simply the wrong thing done. Sin is also, the Bible says in James, the right thing left undone. You're not just a sinner because you do bad. You're a sinner because you don't do good. That should fall heavy on us. Sin, any violation of God's law. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is being set free or setting someone else free from a wrong committed or a debt owed. Sin was the violation. It incurred a debt. It is the wrong that is committed. Though it manifests itself in various forms and in various ways, ultimately our sin, violation against God's law, violation of God's law, has produced a need for forgiveness because we've incurred a debt against God. We are in debt. And we've talked often. Sin demands a cross. And so the debt will either be that you bear that cross for eternity in hell or someone else bears it. And this is the beauty of the gospel. And therein is Jesus Christ who in his body on the cross bore our sin. He died in our place. Sin caused the need for forgiveness. Forgiveness being set free or setting someone else free from a wrong committed or a debt owed. This is not just between us and God. This is also toward fellow man. Not only do we need to seek forgiveness from God, we need to seek forgiveness from man, and we need to give forgiveness to man because that is the example that God has given us. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Forgive, forgive one another. Ephesians 4.32 reminded us last week, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And our example in thought there is the fact that God forgave us while we were sinners, while we were dead, while we were powerless. God didn't wait for us to get ourselves cleaned up. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. God interposed his blood. We sing in the famous hymn, Come Thou Fount. Christ interposed his blood to save us because we could not do what was necessary. And so through faith in Christ, we find forgiveness from God. And we find, through forgiveness from God, we find the ability to forgive fellow man when they sin against us, no matter how grievous. I will work to empathize with any person who is struggling to forgive someone. That's hard for us to do. I will, however, not have empathy for someone who believes they cannot forgive. You can forgive. You are not wanting to. And there is a further heart issue to peel back before a holy God. Forgiveness from God, the power of the Holy Spirit in you through faith in Jesus Christ, frees you and gives you the ability to forgive man when they sin against you. 
And so we come to confession. This is strange in our day because Roman Catholicism has existed not nearly as long as Christianity. Don't ever let anyone fool you into thinking that Roman Catholicism is the oldest religion in the world. It's not. Confession has become this box that a person walks into and spouts out some stuff to a guy or whatever, I guess, these days on the other side of a thing. And then whatever magic happens in there, you come out and you're like, wow, I'm glad I did all that. And then you go back to doing whatever you did. And we're going to talk about repentance next week. Let's stay focused. Today we're talking about confession. The interesting thing about the process in the Catholic Church and wherever else it exists, when man goes into the room to spill their guts and somehow get forgiven, what a dumb, dumb doctrine. Only God can forgive sins. No man in a box can forgive you. I don't have the power to say, oh, you're forgiven. Like, I can only forgive you if you sin against me. And that's my call as a Christian. I forgive you because I am a Christian and I love you and I recognize the forgiveness of God. But no man in a box anywhere has ever been able to tell someone you're forgiven. Go. You're good with God. Have a great time sinning again. Like, as Christians, we go on to not sin anymore. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes. I, I know there's a lot of backgrounds in the room, but that's just, man, what, how dumb. Read the Bible. Confession. What is it? Here's your working definition. I'll warn you, it's mm, a bit wordy. An admission of guilt by one who has wronged another to the one they have wronged. Again, an admission of guilt by one who has wronged another to the one they have wronged. Confessions also in the church can be a statement of clearly defined essential doctrine. I've mentioned before various confessions that I read through and sometimes I don't necessarily study, but they help because they point to specific things. Uh, there's a, a great one from 1689 in London, the Westminster Confession of Faith. The Village Articles of Faith is a confession of faith. We are stating something about what we believe clearly understood. We're not talking about that type of confession. We are talking about the admission of guilt confession. So for the rest of our time in this series, Forgiveness, Confession, and Repentance, confession, an admission of guilt by the one who has wronged another to the one they have wronged. I want it to be clearly understood. You haven't wronged God. You've disobeyed him. You can't cause him harm. God's not up there going, I wish they hadn't done that to me. When we sin against God, he's not full of, my feelings are hurt. He's full of righteous wrath for sin. You don't wrong God. You violate his command. You disobey his voice. Proverbs chapter 28 would you look at this? The Proverbs are wonderful. Perhaps you're here this morning, Pastor, uh, this is all great, but I don't read my Bible and I'd like to. Well, I would encourage you to start reading one chapter in the book of Proverbs every day. There's 31 chapters, so you can read one chapter 
every day for a month, and the months that don't have 31 days, you can either have a bonus or you can start back over. You're going to get all those chapters in a year, all year long. Just read them. It's wisdom to us. Proverbs being contained literally in a section of the Bible called the, the books of wisdom because God is pouring out to us, listen, this is smart. This is how you should live. Don't live like the world. Live like these ways that I described. Proverbs, the 28th chapter, the 13th verse, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are in need of your help. Father, we have endeavored to understand forgiveness from you because of sin. We continue to come to you, Father. Forgive us. We have endeavored to understand our need of forgiveness for and from man. We sin against those who are created in your image. Forgive us. Now, Father, we come to examine through your word confession. I don't want to call it an act Lord, because this is not something that is an act. It is to be a discipline of our life. Teach us, according to your word, about confession. May our view, our understanding, be biblical. May we have clarity in the ways that human thought and philosophy has caused injury to truly confessing sin. And I pray, Father, most of all, As your word is preached, humble the sinner to repentance, God. Promote holiness among us. And I pray that in all of this time, Christ the Savior will be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. Confession. Admission of guilt by one who has wronged another to the one they have wronged. I have three points for you this morning. How very preacher-like of me. Confession is an action that requires colon. For you note-takers, I'm helping you. Confession is an action that requires colon. Three points. I have been a pastor now for almost 10 years, and I have been preaching God's word for a while in my life. This is probably the second or third time ever that God has given me three points that all start with one letter. And I'm really happy about that because the term is alliteration and it's helpful when words start with one letter to help us remember them. I don't hardly ever do this, so you're welcome that it's happening today. Confession is an action that requires three things. Acknowledging you're guilty of sin. This is going to be fun today. Confession is an action that requires acknowledging you are guilty of sin. Confession is an action that requires approaching the one you have sinned against. Approaching the one you have sinned against. Confession is an action that acknowledges you are guilty of sin. Confession is an action that approaches the one you have sinned against. And confession is an action requiring The admission, admitting your sin with words. 
Three points. Acknowledging you are guilty of sin. Approaching the one you have sinned against. Admitting your sin with words. First, acknowledging you're guilty of sin. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. I'm just going to step back for a second and let the word of God sit in your lap on that one. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. In the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, the man and the woman were both created good, naked and unashamed. And then they ate the fruit and violated God's command. And then they realized their nakedness. And does anybody remember what happened immediately after they realized they were naked? Let us, oh, good job Sunday school students in the room. Let us make clothes of leaves to hide our nakedness. Whoever conceals his transgressions, this is a feeble attempt we understand. Oh, we've done wrong, we've got to cover it up, right? We often think about the, the, the nakedness being covered up. They weren't covering their nakedness, they were covering their shame. They had sinned. And they recognized we need to cover up. What, what did they do? They not only made the fig leaf suits for themselves, which had to have been obnoxious and itchy to the skin. They not only did that, what did they do? They heard the sound of God in the garden and they hid. What were they doing? They were concealing transgression. And what happened? Adam! Adam! The all-knowing God. No creature hidden from his sight, but all things bare and exposed. Where are you, Adam? I heard you in the garden, God, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. How'd you know you were naked, Adam? Did you disobey what I said? Well, the woman, oh, sure, Adam. I told you not to do it. You're the sinner. Oh, man. Conceals transgressions. Listen, if you are hiding sin in your life, look at what the word says. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. If you're hiding sin, root it out. Get rid of sin. Get the evil out from among you. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Why? Because God tells us in the book of Numbers, talking to a wicked and adulterous generation, the ancient people of Israel, be sure your sin will find you. Don't worry about anyone looking for you. Your sin is doing it. And it will find you. Are you concealing sin? Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Bring it to the light. We'll talk more as we go. Look what it says. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses, there we are, and forsakes, this is repentance, we'll talk about it next week, confesses and forsakes, wow, we've got to do two things? This is getting heavy. Will obtain mercy. Do you understand what's linked here in the right understanding of God's word? Don't confess, don't forsake, find no mercy. Confess, 
but don't forsake, find no mercy. This isn't a pick and choose. Confess your sin and forsake them and find mercy. We'll look more at this as we go along and next week as we talk about living out repentance. How do we live out our confession and forgiveness? The Lord said to faithless Israel, it's what he calls her, God's own people, can you imagine? The book of Jeremiah, you want to read some awful stuff in the Bible, read Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, God says, go and tell faithless Israel. Faithless Israel, that's God's people. His, 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 his covenant people, right? But they broke that and something greater had to happen than them simply being a nation on the earth. The Lord said to faithless Israel, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 13, only acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord your God, that you have not obeyed my voice. Confession is an action that requires us to acknowledge we are guilty of sin. In their rebellion, the Lord, through the prophet Hosea, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he says to Judah and to Israel, right? We have the whole account. They stray and they go off their rocker in idolatry and sin, never returning to the Lord their God. He says over and over, obey my voice and do well. Don't turn to the right or the left. Just obey my commandments. They're like, oh, we will in a minute, and they're off sinning and putting idols up left and right over and over. He says to them through the prophet Hosea, like a lion, oh my goodness, I will tear and carry off and none will rescue. You know what that is? That's the judgment of God on sin among his people. Holy smokes. We love that verse when we're talking about sinners in the world, don't we? We love that verse when we're talking about people who sin against us, don't we? But we're sinners, and we don't turn to a holy God. Oh my goodness, to Hosea, can you imagine the words as Hosea, this prophet, is supposed to tell Israel and Judah, God will tear you apart. You have not obeyed. Like a lion, I will tear and carry off, and none will rescue. Look, he says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. You know what the lesson is from Hosea 5, 14, and 15? Israel and Judah never did that. They just kept sinning. I will rescue when you acknowledge your guilt. Listen, this isn't about the lost in the world. Those are up to God from the beginning already. This is about the religious people. This is about Israel and Judah, and they're straying from God, and he's like, I will rip you to shreds, and I will leave you that way. Until you say, God, forgive us. We are guilty of sinning against you. If we are not acknowledging our guilt in sin, 
we are not on a biblical path to forgiveness. If you are not acknowledging your guilt before a holy God of the sin that you have violated his command, that you have not loved man in light of him, if you're not acknowledging your guilt in sin, you're not on a biblical path to forgiveness. You have a form of godliness, but you're following the empty and deceptive philosophies of man in whatever you're doing. The Lord told Solomon, Solomon prayed the dedication of the temple, this specific promise to a specific people in a specific time. The verse I'm going to reference does not have to do with America. I will get off my soapbox now. This is a specific promise by God to a specific man regarding a specific people in a specific place at a specific time, but there are principles for us to understand. The Lord told Solomon that when he judged Israel for their sin, because God knew they were going to sin, when the people go after other gods, as I know they're going to do. Solomon prayed, but when, they, but when they return to you, God, would you hear them? And the Lord says to Solomon, I will not hear them until they humble themselves, until they pray, until they turn from their wicked ways, until they seek my face, then I will hear. That word there, humble. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble. Forgive me, God, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you and violated your word, your command. God said to Solomon regarding Israel, then I will forgive. They must acknowledge their guilt before me. Turn to James, all the way in the back of the Bible. James, the fourth chapter. James chapter four. Just because, you know, sometimes people are like, well, yeah, it's all the Old Testament, though it doesn't apply to us. You're right. <laughs> no, you're not. It all applies to us. The Bible is the account of God displaying his glory among fallen man in their redemption and fallen earth. Do you know what else it is? It's the revelation of God's people from beginning to end among whom we as Christians find ourselves. It's all for us. We're not reading ancient Israelite history. We're reading ancient Christian history. Holy smokes. James chapter 4. He identifies sin early in the chapter. Ooh, look at verse 4. Ouch. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? This is, uh, John would say it like this. No one who's born of God practices sin. That's what's being said here in verse 4. Look at verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Look at, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. 
you. Confession is an action that requires acknowledging your guilt of sin. Acknowledging your guilt in sin. Your guilt. You. I want, like, I don't have enough fingers. I want to point them all at you. Me. Right? The you is not just you, it's us. We are guilty. And we must acknowledge our guilt. This isn't just like, oh, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Acknowledge your guilt of sin. It is an essential step on the path to biblical forgiveness. Listen, if you've never wept, look at the words. Look what he says in James. Be wretched. Mourn. Weep. Don't laugh. Mourn. Anguish. Gloom. When was the last time you wept for your sin before a holy God? God, forgive me. Oh, I messed up this week. Praise Jesus. Fall on your face and weep. Be exposed to the Holy Spirit in your soul. Oh my gosh. Confession is an action that requires acknowledging you are guilty of sin. And that's not all. Confession is an action that requires approaching the one you have sinned against. After you're able to compose yourself from whatever puddle of anguish and grief and lament is lying on the floor, drenched in your tears because your sin is so grievous to a holy God. After you're able to get yourself picked up, you go to the one you have sinned against. One disclaimer. Remember last week? They're dead They've moved, I, I can't. Then let the grace of God through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, death on the cross, cover that. God knows you can't go to that person. What do you think? Well, thanks God, thanks a nice trick. I, gotta, I can't. He knows that. That's covered by God's grace through forgiveness from him. Approach the one you have sinned against. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful. Listen, I'm going to hold off on the second part of the verse. Those opening words to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 are saturated with approach God with your guilt. If we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive and cleanse from all unrighteousness. You know how many times I've heard people say, you know how many times I've said, let me stop putting it in the third person, I'll talk about myself. I can't go to God with this one. Then you can't go to anyone with any of it. Remember what we learned about the nature and character of God as revealed by God throughout all of the Bible? I'm steadfast in love and faithfulness. 
I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. I'm forgiving the iniquity of thousands of generations, but I'm not just going to say and turn a blind eye to sin. God beckons us to him with our sin. Come, you sinner, poor and needy, weak and wounded by the fall. Arise, go to Jesus. If you tarry till you're better, you'll never go at all. Approach the one you've sinned against. We have sinned against God. And in dealing with our sin, we must acknowledge our guilt and we must go to God with our guilt. We are not confessing sin if we do not acknowledge our guilt and we do not approach the holiest of only God. There is no other. I took care of my sin with God. I guess I'm good to go. Next, pastor. All right, next, let's talk about how you struggle with approaching people when you sin against them. Right, because... It's not just I've dealt with God. I don't sin against you and go to God and call it a day. I can't do that. If I sin against you, I have to go to you. I have to approach you. Matthew chapter 5, turn to it. Matthew chapter 5, we were there last week. We're going to look at it again because I want you to see it in God's word. We must approach the one we have sinned against. We first go to God. Amen. Man, I'm thankful for mercy and forgiveness from God when I approach him. Man. Matthew 5, 22, 3, 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, and your brother has something against you because you've sinned against him, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Have you sinned against someone? Like I'm talking like, have you sinned against someone? I've not loved man the way that God has called me to. I've sinned against them. Then go. You must go to them. Sin against someone. The words of Christ in the word of God say you must go to them. Man, I would ask for a show of hands, but let's not. You're never going to do anything harder. And this is why we don't do it. When I have withheld forgiveness from someone, or when I have withheld dealing with forgiveness from someone, you know why I've done it? Because it's not easy to come to you and say, I have sinned against you. We don't, we don't want to do that. It's so hard. I don't want to minimalize it either. Like This isn't just like, oh, hey, uh, by the way, like, no, this is difficult stuff, but if you sin against someone, the word of Christ says to us as Christians, are you a Christian? The word of God says to us as Christians, go, go. A note, because it's right there from last week. We are to go to the one we have sinned against. We are to do that. We are to approach them. We are also called to approach those who sin against us. Holy, uncomfortable nature. This isn't just I go to the ones I sin against. This is I go to the ones who sin against me. Well, pastor, that's not right. We only go to someone when we've done something. Well, no, not for Christians. We're not like the world. That's a pattern of the world. We're not like them. We are to approach 
those who sin against us. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. I'm going to flip over there. You can keep your spot in five if you want to. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not, and you're believers in the same church, there's a greater process to walk out. If he does not, and you're believers, and you're in different churches, there's still a process to navigate. But, man, we hope that with the Spirit of God living inside two people, brother going to brother and saying, you've done this against me, I'm telling you your fault, that there will be reconciliation happening. Someone sins against you, go to them. When a Christian sins against you, you go to them. Why do I do that? To help them in confessing. They sinned against me. I'm not interested in helping them confess their sin to me, but you should be. But we should be. Forgive me, God, for not going and helping my brothers and sisters. In, in point, look what it says. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. It doesn't say make it easy. This isn't me coming to you and saying, hey, I just, uh, you know, Everybody has a bad day. It's okay. Literally says, go and tell him his fault. I'm here to tell you, you have sinned against me. And I'm telling you right now, when you go to make this accusation, you better be backed up with what sin is. Sin is any violation of God's command. Has someone sinned against you? Or do you have a personality conflict? Or do you not like the color of shoes they wear to church on Sunday? Or you don't like the songs that they sing, so I don't want to have anything to do with them. Like, what in the world? We need to have a biblical understanding of sin. Violation of God's command. I'm coming to you to point out, look at, tell him his fault. You and him alone. Doesn't say make it easy. Doesn't, make, doesn't say make excuses for them. I, don't, I know you're going through a difficult season. I know life's been really hard lately. You've sinned against me. You're helping them. You're helping them deal with confession. And in reality, you're not making it easy, but you are making it easier. You're not letting them off, but you're opening the door. Listen, I'm here because you've sinned against me. And the love of Christ in me compels me to give forgiveness to you for this sin against me and to open the door for you to confess your sin that we may behold, James says. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. <sighs> Could you imagine the beauty? Could you imagine the beauty? I wrote this down. Man, this is so countercultural. Everything that we know and understand about forgiveness. I wrote this down. So a person sins against this person. This person's been sinned against, and that person's the sinner. And do you know what should happen? On a biblical path to forgiveness, they should run into one another as they go. You know what we do? I sinned against that person. Do I have to go to them? They've sinned against me. They can come to me. That's not, that's not the biblical path to forgiveness. You're off in the weeds again. 
The biblical path to forgiveness has believers meeting on their way to one another because the reconciliation and harmony and unity as our brother led us in prayer over the unity of the church and the body of Christ depends on believers saying, I forgive you, please forgive me, and embracing, we're like, oh, well, I'll forgive them when I'm good and ready, but don't expect me to like them. That's not biblical forgiveness. You are following the world. It is, I forgive you, please forgive me, and embrace, it says, you have gained your brother. Confession requires acknowledging you're guilty of sin. Confession requires approaching the one you have sinned against. Confession is an action that requires admitting your sins with words. Of note, if you've been in church for a long time, again, I, I have. I'm a young guy, but I've been around church all my life. I know other people here have been around church all their life. It doesn't take any amount of time in church history to be somewhere and every head bowed and every eye closed and blah, 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 on the piano and just tell God, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. The Bible does not say to confess that you are a sinner. God and his word and the ones we sin against already know that. It's intrinsically built in to God's word that humanity is sinful. We are sinners. Nowhere are we commanded or does the Bible instruct, oh God, Forgive me, I'm a sinner. Now, there is the tax collector and the Pharisee when Jesus illustrates a story through a, a parable. That's the only one. The Bible does not say to confess your temptation or your sin struggle. Whoa, 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 pastor. Whoa, 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 pastor. What about accountability? Oh, oh, oh. I didn't say don't find accountability. I didn't say don't get help. No, find accountability. Get help from Christians. The Bible says to confess your sins. Confess the wrongs committed against God and man. Confess what you are guilty of. Only if they will admit their guilt. Acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord and you have not obeyed my voice. Use words to admit your sin. Confession is not to help us. Confession is not, whew, man, wow, um, I'm really sorry. For what? Oh, I, uh, man, I, wow, I really messed up. How? Do you understand? You see how quickly we disregard the difficult work of dealing in forgiveness with God? I just, I'm sorry. Oh, that's, that's definitely part of it. Be sorrowful. Recognize your guilt. That's sorrow. Be sorrowful. Weep, mourn, be wretched. Forgive me. I've sinned against you. 
You want a confession from my heart? Forgive me. I've judged you. I have held you to my standard and not to God's. I have been angry when you have not lived up to what God calls us to live up to. We have something to talk about in that. But when you judge people, you're guilty of judging them. You don't just say, I'm sorry. You tell them what you've done. I've been critical. I've judged harshly. I've withheld hospitality. I've withheld mercy. I've withheld fellowship and Christian unity. Maybe worse. I remember apologizing, asking forgiveness of a Muslim man in a Muslim country for my sin toward his entire human race. Man, I didn't know the guy. He didn't know me. He was just representative of everything I'd held inside of me from a young age. He was a Christian. Brother, I need to ask your forgiveness on behalf of your people. I have hated you. Just took a whole group of people and put them in one bucket. Do you understand the gravity of confession? Use words. It's not just, I'm sorry. Let sorrow lead to using words. Throughout the Bible, when people confess sin, they use words admitting their guilt and the wrong they have done. I think these are going to be on the screen. Ezra 10, Nehemiah 1 and 9. And is there a slide for them? I have to click the thing. There we are. Write them down. Write them all down. And this week, read through some biblical confessions of sin. Nehemiah in Nehemiah 1 is him, and he literally says, Forgive the sins of your people, God, even I and my fathers. Nehemiah 9 is a whole group of people. National repentance. Oh, Lord, we need national repentance. Isaiah 6, the beginning of Isaiah 6. Isaiah says, you'd miss it if you weren't looking for it, but now you'll see it. I'm undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I have seen God. Jonah 2, oh, man. All throughout the Bible, throughout all the Psalms, people use words to admit their guilt of sin. Put words together regarding the guilt you have for the wrong you've done and confess your sin. Next week, we're going to deal with repentance, living out confession. Don't put your Bibles away yet. Living out confession. Today, I have these questions for you. Have you realized your guilt? Have you lamented your sin? Have you gone to both God and man, if at all possible, in order to acknowledge your guilt and admit your wrong? Have you used words to confess your sins to God and to those you have sinned against? Confession is an action that requires acknowledging your guilt approaching the one you have sinned against and admitting your sin with words. Would you find your way to Leviticus chapter 4? It's a hot spot in the world today of preaching. That's a joke because most pastors aren't going to open the book of Leviticus in their entire pastoral career. Leviticus chapter 4. 
It's all here. This example from ancient Israel, our Christian heritage, this example of acknowledging your guilt, of approaching the one you've sinned against, of using words. In Leviticus 4, the people of Israel are being told how to atone for sin. This is before Christ. They have a way to atone for sin that Hebrew says was thoroughly inefficient, but it was their means that God had given them to show their faithfulness to him. And the one thing that you're not going to see is use words. But here's the, the nuance of what we're talking about. In order for uh, an Israelite, in Leviticus chapter 4, in order for an Israelite to acknowledge their guilt and to approach the one they sinned against, they had to take an offering to a priest. Now listen, the priestly work of ancient Israel was extremely detailed. Extremely intentional and specific. It wasn't just, oh, well, another sheep, burn it up. Nope. If you were showing up with a sacrifice to the priest, you had to use words. I'm here for these reasons. It's this, because he's got to know how many times do I dip my finger and sprinkle blood and how do I cut it and what do I do with the long lobe of the liver and do I burn these entrails or do these go outside of the camp? And He's got to know what he's doing or he sins. Wow. It's all here. I'm going to read this, and I want to do something kind of just to drive home the point that, one, we are to confess our sin, but the greater point of we are to be striving against sin, we are not supposed to sin. Five times you're going to hear me read through a series of verses, and you're going to hear the words, sins unintentionally. And I just want to do this exercise to help us ingrain this in our lives. I want you to engage and participate with me, if you would. I want you, when you hear me say sins unintentionally, you, with conviction, because we are not supposed to sin, I want you to exclaim, we're not supposed to sin. Do you understand? I'm going to read four or five different sections of verses, and you're going to hear sins unintentionally, and you're going to exclaim, we're not supposed to sin. Okay? You with me? Sins unintentionally. Okay, I want you to be paying attention. I want to know you're paying attention to the word of God this morning. I'm going to read these verses. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to my people Israel. Saying, if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the head of the bull and kill the bull before the Lord." If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they do any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and they realize their guilt when they sin which come when they realize their guilt when they sin which they have committed becomes known the assembly shall offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering and bring it in front of the tent of meeting and the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord and the bull shall be killed before the Lord. When a leader sins unintentionally 
any one of all of the things that by the commandments of the Lord, his God ought not to be done and realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring as his offering a goat, a male without blemish, and shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally, in doing any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not be done and realizes his guilt or the sins he has committed is made known to him. He shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish for his sin which he has committed, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of burnt offering. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone sins unintentionally, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous lamb slain for sin. We must realize our guilt. We must stand before the Lord we must lay our hand on the only sacrifice for sin that exists. We must confess our sin. We must approach the ones we have sinned against. We must use words if we are going to deal in confession biblically and rightly before God, confessing our sin, we must take hold of Jesus. Don't start putting your Bibles away yet. To let you leave without praying and confessing sin would be utterly irresponsible shepherding on my part. Listen, there may have been things brought up. You may have realized things, understood things anew. Every person in this room has got business to do with God right now. And then we'll sing a hymn of praise to God, and then we'll go. I'm going to lead us into a moment of prayer. I understand that kids will move and they'll make noise. That's okay. For every adult and on your part as much as you can, let's go before the throne of grace that we may find mercy and help in time of need. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you today. God, thankful for Jesus Christ. Father, it is with a heavy heart. We have sinned against you. Father, forgive us. I pray, God, show us our sin, and I know you will, that we may realize our guilt that we may approach you or those we have sinned against and admit our guilt and our shame, our sin. Father, these are difficult words and a difficult message, but I know, blessed Lord, the result is forgiveness and cleansing from all unrighteousness. The result is the unity of your people. God, forgive us. Father, I pray for boldness and strength 
to confess sin. I pray for your spirit to be highlighting and showing us our sin as we stand before you in silence, waiting on you, Father. Speak to our hearts. Gracious Lord, hear the heart of your people. Forgive us. Help us, God, to walk biblically, confessing our sin, forgiving one another, as you in Christ forgave us. We thank you, God, for the gospel, the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. God, may this word, it is yours. I know that it will not return empty or void. Your word will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. But God, strengthen us to carry out that which you have made us responsible for. Acknowledging our guilt, approaching the one you or man that we have sinned against, and admitting our sin, our guilt with words that we may find healing and reconciliation before you and with man around us. And you are good, and you are forgiving and slow to anger. So Father, God, heal your people. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at info at Until next time, stay in God's word.